I had run run ins with bears all the time. I've seen probably you know 100 to 200 grizzlies. I only had one time where I had to pull out a, my bear spray. Like most bears don't want anything to do with people. No, and that just happened to be because I came over a rise and there was a cub and the cub was coming towards me and I said hey bear and I didn't see the mom and she was 30 to 40 yards off and started running flat to the ground straight at me but she veered off at the last second I had my bear spray out but I don't think I would have pulled the safety clip off because I don't practice that but she veered off and that's what bears mostly do. Welcome to Explore Big Sky with Ori Marmot, where we take you inside the stories that matter in Montana's Gallatin Valley. We are your hosts, hosts Joe, Joe and Michelle, Michelle Borden. Borden. Today, we're bearing down on a grizzly topic. That reminds me of like, bear down, Reba, or something. Anyway, cover your ears if you, oh, Joe, if you get scared. I see what you did there, Michelle, and I am embarrassed for you. <laughs> we're talking... To Mountain Outlaw Magazine journalist Benjamin Polly today about his latest article. It's about grizzlies potentially being delisted as an endangered species. Cubber. 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 Yeah, that's a bit of a... Oh, what are you doing? Hibernating. You're I'm hibernating. Hibernating. Shh, let me just keep hibernating. Uh, all right. Enough is there a this. snooze button on hibernate? <laughs> Um, anyway, I would press this new, yeah, this summer has been sleep late <laughs> situation for me. Okay. It was a great article. I, I loved reading it. Um, I delved into wolves a while back. Um, did, didn't you did some delving? I did some wolf delves. Okay. Um, but no, remember when I wrote that, uh, yeah. I think it was a thesis on wolves, but it's a similar topic where you're just like, yes, I do not want a wolf to approach me. Right. But no, I do not want all of them to be extinct. But it's part of the circle of life. <laughs> it's the circle of life. So who are we to play God? It'll claw your eyes oh, out. No. But, um, <laughs> I like talking oh, to... Oh, but we're sponsoring Ma- Mountain Outlaw magazine. Yes. Okay, got it. I, like, right. I, I enjoy these conversations that we have where we talk to uh, journalists and, and writers who have covered a certain topic because... Yeah. Like in, in We Benjamin's have to do no... Case, deep dive well he he has talked to people on on opposite sides of the spectrum yeah right and so uh we don't have to nope we can just talk to yeah. this guy who's done all the legwork yeah it's awfully nice and ask him about it I'm and then man. put it out to the people who don't like reading but if you that's do like not, reading you should be reading mountain outlaw magazine because this it's is a good for magazine. readers readers listen to us readers this listen is to additional us. color it's additional right? to like really if you guys know anything about your hippocampus it's uh it's about retention and if you read something and listen to it, you're going to retain it. There you so go. So then next party you're at, you can just expound upon the grizzly topic. Correct? Yeah, no, that makes okay. total sense. All right, here's something else for your hippocampus. It's an ad read. Outlaw Partners <laughs> is excited to present a new issue of Mountain Outlaw Magazine on stands across southwest Montana right now. The summer issue features renowned alpinist Conrad Anker, who discusses his just a bird. Come on, his, discusses his deep connection. Connection and discussion were combining <laughs> as I was reading it. It's fine. I'm a speed reader, and sometimes that you are not means. a speed reader. I am. Smith and I are. We can read books fast, That's fast. Not, not true. Anyway, Conrad Anker, who discusses his deep connection to his community of climbers as well as his home. 
Bozeman. Other notable stories include Ernest Hemingway's roots in Cook City, Whitney Williams' legacy in local leadership, the plight of grizzly bears among ranch lands, wink wink, and the prognosis of local news. Pick up a copy locally in Big Sky and Bozeman or read online at mtoutlaw.com. And now for our amazing interview with uh, Benjamin Polly on the arena of challenge for grizzlies. Grizzly. I can't sound. Okay, that's you. That's that a better? good grizzly. Yeah. That All was right. my that was a growl. Here's Benjamin. Grizzlies. Today on our podcast, we have Benjamin Alva. Is it Polly? It is Polly. Polly. Thank you for saying it correctly. All right. Um, and he recently wrote an article for Montana Outlaw, uh, the arena of challenge for grizzlies. Um, it's Mountain Outlaw. Mountain. Right? I'm sorry. Sorry. He recently wrote an article. Is it for Mountain or Montana? Mo- Mountain Outlaw. Now I'm, it's now Mountain I'm Outlaw. questioning everything. He recently wrote an article for Mountain Outlaw called the arena of challenge for grizzlies um it's all about uh, grizzlies confront endangered species delisting this is a hot button topic so i'm excited to delve in today Ooh, tread, thank you benjamin tread lightly michelle yeah. and benjamin i never tread lightly i'm big <laughs> feet um so in a nutshell can you tell me what this article is about Oh, that's a great question. I think it's a, a story that we're a conversation looking at grizzly bears and the question of whether or not we should delist them or not. And looking at ranches and communities that live close to these recovery zones. And and for those who don't know, what is delisting? Delisting means uh, taking grizzly bears off the endangered species list. They were put on the endangered species list in 1975. And it has slowly, I guess, helped help the bears' numbers come back to the numbers that they're at right now, which I guess some people would say that they still haven't fully recovered. If you think about it, there's only covering 2% of their original range. And yeah, it's definitely hard to say. But but they've recovered to the point where you have a lot of people calling for grizzlies to be thinned out. Right. Yeah, you have, you. well, I guess you have both. Uh, there's multiple people that think they should be delisted and managed by the state so people can hunt them. Mm-hmm. There's also people that think, you know, the opposite way and believe that the bears haven't recovered at all, especially when they're only, you know, Two percent of their former range. There used to be what was it, fifty thousand bears roaming throughout the western plains, all the way to the coast from Mexico to Canada and Alaska. And now there's only two thousand. Wow, two thousand out of fifty thousand. That's not the best recovery numbers, but yeah, yeah they're definitely uh, recovering in zones where. Uh, U.S. Fish Wildlife Service created the six recovery zones, hoping to bring them back and allow them to grow. Right. And I guess those recovery zones, there's only, what is it, four of them that actually do have bears in them and two of them don't. So the I guess that's a question. And there's, and there's also, you know, there's a lot of, you know, it's not a black and white issue. There's a lot of gray area, whether you're pro or not for them. There's also a lot of reasons where, you know, people look at, you know, a little bit of both. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's a very difficult conversation to have. And 
it it's is a conversation we've been having for a number of years is the I it's, think the third third time now that we've been talking about delisting grizzly bears. Yeah, wow. grizzlies and wolves. Uh, you know, it's a it's an issue. Like neither one of those creatures are things that I want to encounter. Neither one of those creatures are things that I necessarily uh, think are incredibly valuable in my own tiny ecosystem. But I know they are, and I'm you know I believe in conservation. Um, and for people who don't know what happened to the grizzlies. Another reason why I would never have done well on the Oregon Trail. Um, they were, as you said, um, giant in number. But right during the westward expansion, it was 98% of grizzlies were eliminated from their original range. Right? Is that, Am I yes. saying that right? Okay. Yep, that's correct. Which is insane. So this was, you know, hunters and trappers along the way? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. But yeah, it's that, uh, it's safe to say they haven't really made a full recovery from that point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the question becomes, what do you, what is full recovery? Does it mean just in Montana? Does it mean Wyoming? Does it mean Idaho? Does it mean just in the West? Does it mean in their whole, you know, original historic range? <laughs> right. That's hard to, and hard to pinpoint. For this story, Benjamin, you interviewed people on both sides of the fence, you, the ones with binoculars and the ones with shotguns. Um, where did you land after talking to a bunch of people who, ha- who share very different views? Oh, that's a, that's a very good question. I guess I, I, I guess I was surprised if you want to take it that way. I guess I was surprised to find out that there wasn't more ranchers that I talked to that were more vocal about delisting and managing themselves. It seemed like more, more and more ranchers that I talked to were actually, were fine with the way things are. And you know, wanted to see that the bears are still protected and feel that they're still threatened and feel that U.S. Fish Wildlife Service and FWP and all these other agencies that manage them are doing a good job. Um, yeah, it's, it's it hard. It still sounds like you're a little torn. Was- it's okay, but he also, <laughs> it's a, I feel like it's, it's easy to remain neutral on this topic. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there are arguments on both sides that are convincing in my opinion definitely and yeah and i don't know i guess you know after talking to chris servine and several other people like i'm worried about the current you know state administration managing bears and are they really wanting to manage the bears because they've fully recovered or are they more wanting to sport hunt them and if that's the case i don't know if we're quite there yeah, you know, I, there's, there's, I think it's sport yeah. hunting. Just in ca- just if you want my opinion. Oh, I Michelle think. is editorializing. I am. Um, <laughs> She's on her soapbox. I'm not on a soapbox. I'm I kidding. think just historically, these. Never mind. I think it's sport hunting. <laughs> also, You're about to start to stare dinosaurs. I don't need to talk about that. Um, it, it was interesting in the article. You you know you interviewed a cattle rancher uh, Bardwell, and then the bison rancher. Uh, is it Bechtold or Betchtold? Yeah. Okay, Bechtold. Bechtold, yep. Bechtold. <laughs> you know, Bardwell was a- about, you know, management of the grizzlies, especially the ones that have learned to just, you know, eat uh, steak tartare Feast every day. on his calves. Yes, exactly. Um, which makes all the sense in the world. Like, that's a lot of money to a rancher. Um, and then Bechtold had a little bit of a different spin on it where he said, move to Kansas if you don't want your bears being eaten. 
uh, by grizzlies. Yeah, Understood. You, you and have he's, to make changes as right. a rancher to yeah, adapt. Wildlife management. Yeah. Like where to put the calves, where to put, um, what is it, dead dumps, something like, I think that's the term. Yeah. <laughs> dead I, piles. I, I got, yeah. I guess what he was saying, too, is not necessarily if you don't want bears eating cows, you just because that's not necessarily the norm. I think that's not the norm. I think it happens rarely, but it does happen that bears do kill cows. There's also ways to coexist with them. And you can know you can, you know, if you do have cows that die on the property, you can move those cows, have them taken on a on a you know, an excavator, put them in the back of a truck, take them to the dump, get them off of your property so bears don't associate those dead cows with your living cows. But you can also, you know, change your calving season to not be in the spring. So when the calves are born and young and can't really take care of themselves that well, when the bears come out of hibernation, you, yeah. can, move the, you can move the time of year when the bulls are mixed in with the cows and push that back a little bit. The bears aren't necessarily out on the plains looking for easy, quick meals. These, pull, these, these, are, these poor bulls and cows being told when they can, when they can mate. Yeah. Right. I, mean, I think yeah, just dress them like surprising, surprising what are, to me too. What if they're not in the mood? Yeah. Well, it's more <laughs> biological than that. It's not like us. <laughs> All right. Sure. <laughs> I think. Hey, while I'm saying dumb stuff, what if we cremate the cows, right, Uh and then sprinkle their ashes at their in their favorite place instead of these big uh, dead piles, and then it's more respectful to the cows too. Just while I'm on the roll of saying inane things that are not uh, even. I had a better idea. I was going to say sprinkle them with cayenne pepper, which I feel like would deter (laughs) the most bodies. Just with cayenne pepper all over the piles. That'll, I mean, it works with certain rodents and Spray pests. it with that deer off. We're sorry, Benjamin. We're not going to, we're done we're with idiots. that topic. Um, <laughs> but so you also interviewed Chief Running Wolf, um, who's on the Blackfeet Reservation, which is definitely right up there as we talked about zones. Um, uh, that's glacier area uh, where there are quite a few grizzlies. Um, tell me more about that conversation. Yeah, I interviewed Representative uh, Tyson Running Wolf. He is a Montana State Representative for the Glacial Glacier County, and I interviewed him. And he, you know, he respects what other tribes feel and believe. And even, you know, you can't say everybody on the Blackfeet Nation necessarily agrees with his viewpoints, but he does believe that, you know we have bears in our backyard and it's, it's a hard decision. And if we're having, and if they're problem bears, they need to be managed. And yeah, Yeah. whether that's taking it into your own hands or if it's FWP or if it's the tribe or, you know, partnerships or what have you, I think, I think many people want to be able to do that. And I know amongst many different tribes, many tribes hold the bear in, in respect and awe and it's sacred and they don't want to, they don't believe in hunting them. And right. I can't, I can't speak for the Blackfeet and what their beliefs are, but you know, he'll like, like he said, you know, not everybody has bears in their backyard on a daily basis. And, yeah. They're not dealing with them. Yeah. That seems like yeah, a pretty okay. respectful. Yeah. Take that bear attitude. off the totem pole because it ate my, uh, it ate my dog. So I'm not gonna, I'm kidding. Uh, but yeah, that was, that was an interesting thought because you're right. They are sacred, but 
if you are not being affected by a bear on a daily basis, then it's, you know, it's something that you might hold in a higher reverence. <laughs> yeah. I did think that one of, one of the interesting points that the article made was that this is not the end of our, of our beef with bears, right? We're, because ah, we all, beef. we're all moving, you know, uh, and developing their territory. Especially so in big sky. You know, kind of no matter what happens with their population, we're going to continue to have run-ins with them. Yes, definitely. And I think that's, you know, that was a big part of the story. That's why I said it's kind of a conversational piece and, you know, it kind of shows or has different people where different people were able to talk about like ways that we can coexist with them. And I think if people properly store their garbage, if people properly store their dog food, if people properly move their dead cows or, you know, calve at a certain time of year, or just think of the bear rather than themselves of how they live amongst bears. I think that's a big part of it. Like Cecily Costello, I don't know if I'm pronouncing her first Cecily is, is saying it right. Like bears are always showing us that they can do a lot more in, than we think they can. We always say that we can't live in the same areas with bears or with grizzlies. And she thinks we can. And if you think about it, there's, you know, all the, there's all this popularity around grizzly bear 399 and there are three cubs and four cubs that live in Jackson hole and live right there amongst people and isn't getting into problems. And she was saying to me, which I didn't include in the story, but she's like, there's many different bears that are grizzlies 399 out there. There's many bears that aren't getting in trouble. Hmm. And I, and I think that's, that's what this is all about. Like I worked trail crew in Glacier national park for 11 years and did tons of wildlife studies up there. And I had run run-ins with bears all the time. I've seen probably, you know, hundred to 200 grizzlies. I only had one time where I'd pull out a, my bear spray. Like most bears don't want anything to do with people. No. And that just happened to be because I came over a rise and there was a cub and the cub was coming towards me. And I said, Hey bear. And I didn't see the mom. And she was 30 to 40 yards off and started running flat to the ground straight at me. But she veered off at the last second. I had my bear spray out, but I don't think I would have pulled the safety clip off. Cause I don't practice that, but she veered off and that's what bears mostly do. <laughs> you got a, you got a bluff charge. I don't know if I'd she trust had, that. Exactly, it was a bluff charge. <laughs> and that's, in that circumstance, there would be no part of my brain that would say, maybe this is a bluff. I don't know. <laughs> well, I didn't I didn't think it was going to be a bluff either. No. I just, it no. happened so quick. My adrenaline didn't even have a chance to kick in. Like, no. I had my bear spray out. I didn't have the clip off, nope. which, you know, I practice. I carry it on my chest, so it's easy to get to. But I don't practice, like, taking that clip off because I don't want the chances of that stuff going off on me unless it is a situation when I need to. <laughs> yeah. Right. So you got to practice that quick draw. Yeah, you know, practice that quick draw, and I, you know I think bear, bear spray would have worked. But you know, you talk to grizzly bear experts like Doug Peacock or something like that, and he's had I don't know a thousand or something ridiculous number of bear encounters, and had bear charge him, and at the last minute they stopped and veered off, and he's and he swears by it most of the time. That's what they're doing. They're just warning you that they're in charge. Wow, <laughs> and you just you know. Every once in a while, there are, you know, surprises where, you know, you come across a bear on a, on a kill or a carcass and they're going to defend it or yeah. they're going to defend it. If you get between that cub, if that cub was on the other side of me, it might have been a different story. Or if you <laughs> run smack dab into him with a bicycle. I mean, sure. Yeah, that would exactly. make that, me angry. That happened up in Glacier a few years ago. If you, know? you surprise the bear, it's probably not going to turn out well for you. 
now. But yeah, most of the time. Yeah. And most of the time, but most of the time I, it's not going to turn out well, but I'd say most of the time bears, bears are going to run off. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it yeah. seems like in the big sky area, um, and you know, there's so much development, uh, the bears are trying to figure out where they live and what their habitat is. And, um, you know, I've had a lot of friends with bear encounters where, you know, bears have treed them and swatted at their feet and did all kinds of crazy stuff, you know, where they're just, I think they're defending what they thought was their territory. Um, and so moving on, it does sound like, you know, the 399 bear situation, perhaps there's a way that we can work with bears in a behavioral way. Um, you know, not domesticating them perhaps, but just finding some kind of awareness and education and making sure that we're doing our part. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think, I think the key is not to get the bears food conditioned, because once you get them food conditioned, they become habituated and yeah. become more confident. And then they will stand their ground more and try to get that food and, you know, do what they need to do. But as long as they're on native wild foods and we are respectful of them and that there's this is their habitat first. And yeah, I think I have hope. I just don't want to see bear. I don't want to see us re- return to the 1800s. I agree. <laughs> where, yeah. there's, where there's very few bears. I'd like to see their numbers stay close to where they're at or continually grow and see humankind grow as well. <laughs> I <laughs> like it. Yeah. Coexist, you know? So to, exactly. <laughs> to delist or not to delist, that remains the question. I, I know, that Benjamin, that you've written a lot of articles. Uh, how does this rank among them? Uh, it's hard to say. Uh, I definitely enjoyed writing it. Uh, it was fun to write. Uh, it was fun to discover what people thought. I don't know if it's got as much traction as some of my other articles has necessarily. Um, I don't know if it's the incestuousness of Facebook or Twitter or some of these social media pages these days, but the algorithms don't seem to be, I don't know if people are people's attention spans. I don't know what it is, but it just didn't seem like it got as much attention as other stories I've written. And I don't know. I've had a lot of people say it was really good too. So I I don't know. It's hard to say. We'll try and get the word out. Maybe a little bit of bear fatigue out there. (laughs) (laughs) There is, there is so many stories on bear delisting right now. I'm sure there is a little bit of bear fatigue about reading about bears. And especially when it's still something up in the air. Like, it's still something we're trying to figure out. Are we going to delist them or not? Will it be only certain areas? And will, you know, will it be the greater Yellowstone ecosystem where they delist them and begin to manage them by the state and hunt them? Or will it be the greater, you know, the northern continental divide ecosystem, which is where the Bob Marshall and Glacier are at, where they have more bears? I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. Or it might not. Maybe, maybe it the goalpost will keep moving as Bardwell told me in private. <laughs> oh, interesting. Just don't feed them cocaine people. Yeah. Please. Okay. There's one takeaway from oh, this God. podcast episode. All right. Sorry. Joe. Um, well, Benjamin, thank you so much for your time today. And uh, thank you for an interesting article that uh, well, kind of gave me a lot to think about. Yeah. It's an important topic. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate the time today to talk to you guys, and I look forward to hearing the podcast. All the things. Okay, bye. Bye. (laughs) Bye. The Hoary Marmot Podcast wouldn't be possible without the generosity of Big Sky's local businesses. Music by Top Flow Production. Please subscribe to us and rate and review, and then go gush to your friends.